with me, your host, Chrissy Clemente. Today, I am so excited to have with me my longtime friend, Brandon B. Love Harden. Welcome to the show. Hey, yeah, woo! I'm super pumped, like I said, to talk to you today. Um, and I want everyone to get to know what an awesome person you are, as uh-huh. I have over many years. Before I get into you, I just want to tell everyone how we met. It was very randomly, I think over 10 years ago now, at a 311 day show, possibly at Mandalay Bay. Not quite 10 years, but yes, at the pool, the beach pool. Yes, sick venue, awesome day, awesome time. So we've kept in touch since then, going to see each other at different shows, cruises, and I have the pleasure of calling you my friend and I'm really excited to let everybody else know what you're all about. What an honor. Do you remember it? So do you remember that day? Yeah. The day of the 311 show. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Who was your crew? Do you remember? I think Caitlin was there, Jillian, Lana, possibly Jessica too. And I'm not sure if my friend Cassie was there, but... We were rolling pretty deep for that show. <laughs> so just to paint the picture, just like eight hot girls all laying there in bikinis on the beach going to a 311 show. I'm like, I'm in heaven. This is great. What an amazing time. It's perfect. And then the next day, you guys taught me what a UDI is. An unknown drinking injury. <laughs> Not to be confused with UTI. <laughs> the <Holy> unknown <laughs> drinking injury where you wake up the next morning and you've got just random bruises and you have no idea how you got them. They still happen to this day. That's just, you know, <laughs> the casualty of fun. Oh my gosh. I'll never forget that. So much fun. Those were the days. Those were like the good old days, you know? Yes. When I could that. drink that amount. Now it's like I can't recover <laughs> for like five days. <laughs> At least. Yeah, I know. I'm with you on that. That was a great time. And I also remember we made like this lounge area of Mandalay Bay that's definitely not like an open bar scene, but we like turned it into this huge yes. party. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what it is so exciting. Yeah. Just like the, the anticipation of 311 show and meeting people. It's great. It's always fun. And you always meet great people when you go out to those things. I know. I know. So there we go. Here we go. Yeah, there we go. Down memory lane. The rest is history. <laughs> so why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? So I grew up in Texas, ended up bouncing around between Colorado and Nebraska, where I got introduced to 311 in Nebraska. Started skating professionally, rollerblading, which led me from Colorado to California. And here I am. And after the skating career, because it didn't last too long, because A, rollerblading died, and then B, I was too hurt to keep going. I uh, ended up video editing and made that a career choice. And that's what I do now. That's it in a nutshell. But I mean, like, there's so much more that I really want to dive into. And I want to start by asking you 
Like, what was your dream growing up? Was it rollerblading? <laughs> no, because it didn't exist. <laughs> it was like roller skating existed and, and nobody wanted to be a roller skater. This is, you're going to laugh. I wanted to be a rapper, actually. That kind of makes a little bit of sense. It though. doesn't. I mean, okay, so white boy from Texas listens to Sugar Hill Gang, you know, in 1984 and goes, I want to be a rapper. It's just so random and rare. Uh, you know, it's just what an anomaly. A geological anomaly, too, because my family listened to country and so did everybody surrounding me, you know. Do you know that album, Sugar Hill Gang? I know the Sugar Hill Gang. Yeah. So the hip hop, the hip to the hip, the hip, hip hop, you know, the whole rapper's delight. It's like a 15 minute song that just keeps going on forever. I memorized every lyric to that album, I think. Being uh, young and knowing what you want to do is such a rare thing, I think. You know, I've, I've changed what I wanted to do so many times, basically just out of necessity and aimlessness, you know. What did you want to do when you grew up? I think at first, like, I honestly wanted to be um, a dolphin trainer. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's <laughs> it's, great. Yeah, I, like, saw these people at SeaWorld, and I was like, they get to play with dolphins all day? Like, yeah. I really want to do that. And, and I don't think I want to be a mermaid. And that job now actually exists for people, which is my <laughs> <laughs> but I became none of those things. <laughs> yeah, I didn't become a rapper either, so we're, we're all good. We're still on the right track, though. Yeah. We're where we're supposed to be. <laughs> hey, it's never too late. You know, there, there's always that demand for the 60-year-old white rapper. I'm sure it's out there. Yeah, maybe one day I'll be a mermaid. Who knows? <laughs> so what did you end up going to school for, then? I went to school and like I said, just out of like a necessity, I just randomly chose, oh, here's why. I chose hotel restaurant management. And I discovered that if you work at a hotel chain, say Hilton or one of the, the big conglomerates or chains, you can work and get transferred anywhere in the world. So I'm thinking, yeah, I'll work for Hilton and then get transferred to the Bahamas and work there for a while and then just go around. So I actually chased it for a minute and drove myself into the ground because I was working at two hotels, both Hilton's. Was about to go to school in Houston, Texas because I was living outside Houston and they have a uh, hotel restaurant management school there that has a camp or their campus has a hotel on site. So um, that failed miserably. I just, I remember um, working a Christmas day and a New Year's day one year and just going, I don't want to be working on these days. I'm going to be the people taking vacations on these days and traveling. So like, oh, it took two two weeks from, from going from like, yeah, I'm going to do this to the beginning of the year and going, no way, switching, never going to work in that industry. Because you can imagine the service industry is tough. You, you're going to have to work holidays. Yeah. No one wants to work holidays. Like, you want to be with your family or vacation. Yeah. Yeah. So just that philosophy right there ended that career choice. So what did you end up doing after school? After school, well, actually I started, I started skating about this time, rollerblades. And it was super, super young in the sport or the sport is super young. I just fell in love and didn't know what I was doing. Didn't know what I wanted to do, but I loved skating. And um, my parents were not down for that. 
because I went from working at a hotel, the Hilton, to working at the local barbecue spot down the street, you know, Texas barbecue. And no future in that, really, at that restaurant anyway, and just skating. And I was going to school for music at the time because I, I was really good at playing the trumpet so I could get a scholarship at, you know, most of the schools that I wanted to, at least enough to just, you know, go and play the trumpet and get through. But I didn't know what I wanted to do. So started skating and it slowly, slowly engulfed my life pretty much. And you did that professionally for how many years? Well, I, it wasn't professional at first because there, there was the definition of a professional rollerblader was like, did 1-800-COLLECT hire you to do their demo at the beach? You know, there was probably seven skaters that skated for Rollerblade, the company. And that was it. There was nothing outside that. But I go, I love this. I want to do it. I want to be one of the best. And eventually ended up becoming pro and becoming one of the best. And there's a whole other story to that. Yeah, no, but I saw, you know, I did a a little research on you, my friend. And I saw that you skated for K2. You went on tour with them. How was that like? Should I go into this a little bit? Yeah, why not? Okay. So in Texas, I uh, decided that I was going to move from my mom's house in Texas. She had remarried to my father, to live with my father in Colorado. On the way, I stopped and stayed in this little town called Huntsville and skated, like I had a, had a skate crew and lived with this girl that skated and we just skated every day. And that's all we did. So I got pretty good. Then went to uh, live with my, oh, no, wait, I got to rewind this. Um, I was moving to Nebraska. So where I was going to school before, and I was on my way back to Nebraska just to, I don't know, I was running from problems, I guess. You ever do that? Run from your problems? Yeah, they always tend to follow me, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I was moving states away, and it's just like, it, it was me, you know. Eventually, I found out that I was the issue, so. Got into Nebraska. It was cold there. It was the beginning of the winter. I didn't skate for 10 months, and somehow I got better during that 10 months because I, mentally, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. When it started getting warm enough, I started skating again, and I was, I'm going, wow, I'm better. This is crazy, and kept skating and just kept skating. And it's just all I could think about. And I was working random jobs. I worked at a, this will be a funny little bit of info. I worked at a uh, mobile home plant where they assemble mobile homes, right? And it's assembly line. It's so weird, dude. And they just drill you. You have to go at a hundred miles an hour for four hours and, and then take a five minute break and then do it again for four hours. It was crazy. And uh, that's what I was doing there. You know, so, at that point, skating was all I had, and I knew I wanted to do it, but there wasn't really much of a chance for it to be a career, you know? So I uh, moved to Fort Collins, Colorado, following a friend, my friend Carlos, who introduced me to 311, and um, skated there, met some local kids. They had shown me a magazine, which was like the first rollerblade magazine that came out, and there was a guy from Texas who I knew was on the cover of it and he was now the face of rollerblading and it was somebody that I'd skated with. And that's whenever I go, you know what, I can actually, now I can do this. I have a, I have an, I have an opening and the insight to do it. So they were advertising for a contest in California that was six contests over six weeks. And I got together with a couple of friends and we put our money together and we drove to California and competed in this first series of contests that rollerblading had had it was the first one of its kind 
and um, it was on ESPN two, I think at the time and we had a sponsor Taco Bell and uh, I showed up and just killed it. You know, I have a knack for being super creative and with this sport being in such an infancy, I was doing stuff that nobody had seen or thought of. And I kind of just got a notoriety from being a creative person, not necessarily being the best, but just super creative. And that made me just like really noticeable on, on that aspect. And, you know, just like it, it all started, you know, elevating from there. It was just exponential. You know, every time I met somebody that I'd looked up to and did something new, it just elevated me that much more. And yeah, super fun, super fun experience getting to that point. But uh, what did I do? I think I placed 11th in the world street skating that year. That's amazing. And then went on to the second year and placed second in the world for street skating. I got to be on David Letterman that summer, which is really cool. I was a, I was actually an alternative and was fortunate enough to get to go to New York. And it was my first time in New York. And there was a limo at the airport. And I met Jamie Foxx at the hotel checking in. And who was on the show? Ellen Barkin was on the show. And we skated in the top 10. And they shut down the streets of New York right outside, what is it, the Ed Sullivan Theater? And just barriers up and cops and and traffic dead stop and people just basically got out of their cars and started watching and there was just a thousand people out here looking at us and they were and they were like all right count down go and we had to skate in and we like jumped over this bus stops and they set up a ramp and jump over that and into the theater and handed the top 10 to david and skated off it was crazy it was wild that's an amazing experience that's my 15 minutes <laughs> you've had longer than 15 i know that for sure <laughs> uh so cool. I, I, you know, I had mentioned earlier how my parents were just not down for me skating, right? Because it was, you know, you're a parent, you want to see your kid be something that you think in your mind is, is a legitimate or a legitimate career, you know, doctor, lawyer. And uh, I'm like, I'm going to go rollerblading. You know, it's, I, I can see why they would definitely not want me to do it. But, you know, just the feeling of, being in the bathroom at that hotel, like a really nice hotel in New York, and the phone was right there next to the toilet, and like calling my parents and going, "Hey, I'm in New York. I'm in the I'm in the bathroom right now. Watch David Letterman tonight. I'm on it. You know, it's just like, <laughs> I made it. it. it felt, yeah, it felt. Yeah, I made it skating. It felt good. It was a, it was a good feeling. So you also, I read, won the gold medal at the um, a gold medal at the first X Games. Yes. Right? Yes. So yeah, the, uh, the guys that put on that first contest broke off and they made their own, um, company and put together the X games. That was their first thing. And they got together with ESPN and next thing you know, I was out in uh, Newport, Rhode Island with all these professional skateboarders that I'd looked up to, you know, Danny Way, Tony Hawk, Mike Vallelee, Jamie Thomas, just to name a few of the old school skateboarders, people that I really liked. And bikes matt hoffman was there who's like a huge huge he's like the face the grandfather of bike it was crazy it was nuts and it, that culture was awesome and we're we, we stayed in these dorms and for salvage regina the college and i was like next door to you know professional skateboarders that i'd looked up to for so long it was crazy but yeah uh they had a best trick contest which is you just go out and you do your best trick and you know like i said i was really good at creating stuff and kind of inventing things and i just went out and did a trick that nobody else could do and and one pretty wild 
I still keep in touch with all my old rollerblade friends and go to events. I don't skate as much anymore because it hurts. Yeah, you yeah. suffered a knee injury, right? Yeah, and it just joint pain. Ooh. Is that just I wake up in just pain sometimes and go, oh, it was all worth it. <laughs> now, is that is that why you kind of phased out of skating? Yeah, I mean, the, the industry died. Um, it wasn't, it, it's sad to say, but it just wasn't cool enough, you know. We got bagged on definitely a lot by skateboarding and then the corporate industry kind of decided that we weren't cool enough and numbers weren't there. So culmination of variables that basically on a, on a big scale ended this sport. I mean, it's still going on a small scale, but too bad. Was that like, did it feel like a failure or just did it feel like, like a, a sign that you needed to be pointed in a different direction? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, definitely not a failure, but uh, it could be seen as a sign to go into something else for sure. That's whenever I started to chase my rap career, <laughs> realistically. Started a band and went for it. <laughs> Is that what you did after? Tell me what you what you yeah. after. Yeah, so after I, you know, force retired, um, I'm like, all right, I'm going to chase this music thing. And I started working with 311 in the studio for one of their albums and just started collecting recording gear you know, and uh, had a couple of friends and we started a band and hyper motivated, like just super hyper focused. I don't think I've ever been focused on something so much as that time. And the friends I had <clears throat> in the band were not as motivated, but I really liked them. And one of them super talented, both of them talented, but one was just super talented. And I knew he's, he had what it took to become you know, successful in the music industry, great melodies, great stage presence. So I thought I could be the motivation for all of us. And I, and I went after it for four years and I burned myself out and it, it got to the point where like I rage quit. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Like to a job where you're just like, I'm done. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. I'm out. I wish I could have done that. No, it didn't end that way for me. <laughs> So yeah, rage quit, and uh, and I've probably written like two or three songs since, and I, I still want to get back into it. You should. you should. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I'm and I'm and I'm actually a pretty good music producer as well, because I'm just so meticulous with drum programming and and just the music end of it and fine tuning fill ins and stuff like that. And yeah, I'll send you some of my music so you can laugh. I wouldn't laugh. I would definitely just like, you know, like everybody else does, like put all their windows down, just like drive around town aimlessly. Like totally. <laughs> like, this is my friend. Oh yeah. <laughs> White boy rapper, <laughs> almost 50. Yeah. So yeah, that was uh, you can, you can definitely say that that was uh, something that I went for and failed at, but you know, I can always revisit, but yeah, what a bummer. That's Cause nice. I, you, that hyper focus that I had was, it was intense. I spent all my free time doing it. And it wasn't even a question of, do I have to like try to get motivated to do this this day? It was just, it was innate. I woke up and if I wasn't going to work, I was going in the studio and, and spending hours and hours and hours there. You ever find something like that? Yeah, this is what I'm doing now. I love podcasting. I've had like four interviews this week. It's like, I wake up and I'm like, wow. I'm ready. That's great. Yeah, I love talking to people, hearing their stories. I find a lot of inspiration, and I've gotten a lot of feedback that, like, this 
this is really working for other people too. So this is good. Do you listen to any other podcasts? Um, I have listened to Lori Harder's podcast, um, Jenna Kutcher, uh, definitely Shalene Johnson. Like there are some podcasts in there that I definitely listen to. I like podcasts, not any better than radio, but like, you know, you find your niche for things that you like to hear about. And I think podcasts are really cool. And it seems like everybody has one too, you know, it's like, oh yeah, I got a podcast. (laughs) I remember thinking podcasts would die for some reason. But not. I thought so too at the beginning, but now it's like everybody and their mother has one. I have an idea for a podcast that I want to try. It's where, or a radio show at least, where people complain about traffic. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> and you could listen to it on your way to work and, and just listen to people while you're stuck in traffic. I love hearing people complain about traffic. It's so awesome and insightful. Well, you've got a lot of it out in California. So. I know. I understand. There's no way it can't succeed, you know? I think you should pursue that dream. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not a complete dream. It's just an idea. (laughs) So what did you do after your your music career then? Oh, wow. What did I do? Okay, that's... So here's what I want to tell you about my friend Evan and super relevant to this conversation. Evan B. Stone, he's a director, filmmaker, video editor, and he would go out and film our skate videos. So that's how I met him. <clears throat> and this is a guy who met the love of his life. They got married, move in together, this house in Venice. Eight months into the marriage, she has a brain aneurysm shopping one day. And then he loses her like six days after that. And super, super unfortunate and such a positive guy. But he, uh, he would then have friends like we kind of like tag team lived with him just for a while just to kind of keep his spirits up but he did pretty good he didn't go to therapy and he just kind of muscled through it and he's one of the most positive influential people that i've met in my life and he's uh, the type of personality that just like says yes to everything you know just says yes and i started working with him and he goes if you learn how to edit i'll get you i'll get you work so I sat down with a bunch of videos I had of my newborn son, which was probably like two years into his life, but I'd had videos from whenever he was born up until he was about a year and a half and started learning to edit with all these just home videos. And um, he was working at a company called Current TV, which was Al Gore owned. And their whole mission was to bring democracy back to television. And they had, there was a, there was a call out network where basically you just, they said, send us your segments, your video segments of you reporting news or something that you're passionate about and we'll air it. So it was just people telling their stories through cameras. It was a really cool concept. Um, started working there and found myself editing and in the video production industry. And so is that what you're currently doing now? I know you're still doing that. Yes. Yeah. So that was in, um, Jesus, so long ago. I'm about to date myself now. I started working there in 2005 and that was done in 2009. I got laid off with a bunch of other humans after the bubble burst. And then the, the network eventually ended up going bankrupt or selling to somebody. And uh, yeah, I, I continued to do it. Just video edit and craft my skills and I'm good at it. You know, I wouldn't say I love, love it, but I don't hate it. And it's creative and I'm good at it. Just, there's still that white rapper in me 
somewhere in there. Well, why hasn't 311 featured you? <laughs> That's the question. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I haven't asked yet. Maybe I should ask. Yeah. Maybe so I should just put it out there. You should. How did you end up? So you said you met them a while back, but how did you end up meeting them? Right before I moved to California, I met the manager and I said, I'm going to California. Uh, there's this magazine that just came out. You know, I mentioned it earlier. I want to do an article about 311 just to promote it. It was just like simply, I just wanted to promote 311 because I love their music and everything that they taught. And uh, the the magazine said, sure, like do an article. And I just proposed a, a interview. And when I moved to California, I went and interviewed Nick, the lead singer. It's crazy. I moved to California one day, the next day I interviewed Nick. Then the day after that, I got on a bus or a motor home and we did a one month tour around the US skating and filmed this skate video called The Hoax 2, which ended up being the Bible for skaters in that time and really elevated my popularity. Pretty cool. That's how I met 311. And you continue to do work for them. I know you worked on their video, Five of Everything, with Mm -hmm. Brian Bowen Smith as well, right? Ooh, yeah. yeah. Brian's another anomaly of life. We should talk about him in a bit, too. Yeah. yeah, he's he's cool. I remember meeting him on I think it was like my first cruise, and he's yes. a rager. He is oh, definitely yeah. <laughs> Lord, let me tell you. I didn't yeah. even know who I was hanging out with when I was hanging out with him. Like, oh. <laughs> like yeah, who is this guy? And I was like, holy shit! <laughs> that, that was yeah, cool. that's cool. <laughs> yeah, you can hang out with him and just be like, what a party animal, and then no idea that this guy has taken nude photos of the Kardashians. Yeah. And just about everybody. <laughs> Nude photos of everybody. Yeah, I mean, uh, gosh, after uh, meeting 311, I started following him and then just built a relationship. Um, and then after the video editing started, Nick owned a island. Do you know about this island that Nick owned? I heard about it, but I haven't personally been, unfortunately. I mean, quintessential balling, if you want to know what it is, it's owning your own private island, all right? <laughs> insane it's like I remember him coming to me and going I think I might buy an island in the Keys like what really you got it like that what okay me too Uh, can I I have a raise please oh geez yeah so he he had bought he had bought an island and they they rent it out whenever he's not on it so he would just basically call them the managing company and go hey I'm gonna be out there for these dates and they wouldn't rent it out for those dates. So it was a, it was also a business venture. They had had a hurricane that destroyed his island pretty much. So he decided to try to raise some awareness for global warming and asked me to do it. Or I, I proposed doing a video and putting it on current TV. So we did that actually. So that's when I started actually the first job that I'd done with them was through Nick. And then, um, what was the next thing they had me do? I think it might've been the video. Yeah, Brian shot the video and goes, hey, B-Love might be willing to edit it. So I go, hell yeah. And then just started doing little things up into the documentary that's about to come out. Yeah, I'm super excited for that. Of course, I knew that you were doing that, but also got the email the other day and we went to go buy our tickets last night. Oh, really? Yeah, like a quarter of the theater is already sold out because he's like, oh, we don't have what? to buy them. Yeah, it's insane. No shit. Like, Should we like tell everybody, the listeners, what's the, yes, going on here? All right. Cool. So 
311 came out with a home video in, nine, in the late 90s called Enlarged to Show Detail, otherwise known as ETSD. Super successful. It was on VHS, you know. Everybody had to have it. If you're a 311 fan, you saw it. And it really gave the fans a glimpse of 311 behind the scenes, on the buses. You just got a real sense of personality, you know, which grew the love that you have and appreciation for them each individually. Um, Brian Smith then shot and him with another friend of mine, TJ Weber, which was a skater, shot the second one. And then they came out with the ETSD two and I think 2000, 1999, something along there. I should, I should know this stuff. And then coming out of that, and I think 2004, they started doing an album. Don't tread on me is the album and filming heavily for ETSD three in 2004 when I uh, agreed to do so that then they knew they wanted to do it, but it was just, they filmed and then I guess got sidetracked and then no one was filming. And then Wayne Price was somebody that was working on with their early versions of their website. He's into filmmaking. So he had done a video called road to 311 day, which is shot in 2008. And they put out that DVD. And then at that point, I think he decided that he wanted to do a doc on 311 and the fans. And he started filming for what is now ETSD three. Um, in 2013, I got handed a bunch of footage from interviews on the sh- on one of the cruises. So I logged that. And then in 2014, the summer had me jump on the film heavily. I was like, I'm the editor. So they, they handed me like 500 hours of footage. And I'm like, here you go. Good luck. And I'm like, whoa. And, and when I say 500 hours of footage, I'm not lying about it. it no, I remember it, the last cruise that we were on. You were talking about how you were getting footage from even like sixth man and all, you know, and their crew there. You're like, oh, I need all this footage. And I'm just like, what a (laughs) headache that's going to be to go through and put all that together. But a very cool headache to have, but still. Yeah. So cut to now and it's finally done and trailers are out and it's going to air in theaters for one night only on March 11th. Yeah, I can't believe the theaters are sold out. That's insane. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's like already starting. I'm like, wait, I want, I want that seat. And he's like, no, it's already been taken. And I'm like, all right. So Jesus. we bought our tickets last night, and of course, Ian, my husband, um, is like, do you think I'm gonna be in it? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> oh snap! Hmm. I, I like, wonder. I was like, ah, I, I wonder. And he's like, no, I, I played basketball with him. I have to be in it. I'm like, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, yeah, I've, you gotta wait, babe, until you know we get there, and then you can cheer for yourself if you see it. <laughs> yeah, it's you know that he was in that basketball game, and, I, and and there were people filming, so yeah, that's so funny. Guess you'll just have to wait and see. Woo-hoo. I'm excited. I'm always been proud of you for for doing everything that you do. I, you're a very person so Thank i'm just you. like excited that i know you i'm like yeah yeah i know that guy and i see like a bunch of people asking about etsd and like the 311 groups right. and then like, you're trolling the comments like max <laughs> is buying the film <laughs> <laughs> and it's never coming out yeah. that was fun actually that is fun i'm really excited to see that film i'm super excited that you even got to work on that and you know it's, it's- just it's really cool. Yeah, it's good. And for any 311 fans out there, it's it's a, it's a great watch. But you see the community that has been built from the 311 music. You see 311 behind the scenes. 
comparatively, if you've ever seen any of the last enlarged show details, it's it's just night and day the how they are between now and then because they were just so young back then, smoking weed and you know doing crazy young shit back in the other videos. Now they're adults with children and and homes, so you can. It's a nice juxtaposition, but you see you see them and there's lots of live footage. I mean, I think there was. I don't know how many live songs are in there, but it's not full live songs. I had to like chop them up where they're like one minute of live footage or something, but there's probably like 40 or 50 songs in this thing that are represented in one way or the other. So a lot of music, a lot of fans, a lot of band and the cruises. Yeah. Now a lot of people are questioning whether or not you're going to get like a sneak peek of the film on this year's cruise. Ooh, I, you know, essentially I wanted this to, be a premiere on the boat i you know i always pictured watching it in the theater on the boat and being there and thinking that would be the greatest thing in the world but um now with the theater release i don't think they're going to do it because you you know it's it's bold to go all right we're going to put this out in theaters across the u.s i mean how bold is that it's really bold but (laughs) they told me i was going oh good luck with that shit i'm like lord you're gonna have a theater with like three people in it somewhere you know and to hear that they're selling out is just crazy. I, I, I'm shocked. Yeah, so it doesn't make sense to put it on the cruise, but I'm not going to say it's not going to happen. I don't know. That's it, to me, it's, or it's not really up to me at this point. So, but I'm okay with them not showing it on the cruise, even though at first I was going, ah, this, what a bummer. But now it's cool. I'm okay with it. <clears throat> now, do you think that there's going to be an ETSD four that you're going to start? Like people are starting to film for, or like this is kind of it for the for the films for right now? <laughs> That's definitely it for the films for right now. Yeah, as far as I know. I mean, they had. Uh, God, how, how much of this can I reveal? Yeah, I'll just say this: we spent so much so much time and resources to get it to getting it done and getting it out that I don't think anybody's going to take that on for a couple of months at least anyway but you know there's 4k video now i think it's a great time to for someone to come along and propose like a nice artsy because i think they wanted to do an artsy more artsy style style video with etsd3 but no one was over my shoulder editing it so i just edited it the way i wanted to so you know uh wayne the director and then and then management they do have a, a vision of something that's more artsy more maybe more complete live footage with some fan and, and there is that visions and i'm just like hey do it now 4k go out and film it yeah i guess that person will just have to be me you know yeah ready to give up your be ready to give up everything I'm ready to give up all my dolphin trainer dreams and yeah. start filming <laughs> yeah and and only weekend mermaiding like once every six months <laughs> damn that sucks <laughs> Can you imagine like a group of mermaids sitting around like, oh, Christina, she's just a weekend mermaid. She doesn't do it all the time. Like a bunch of like talkers. Yeah. Like she can only hold her breath for 10 minutes. Like, ugh. (laughs) And she wants benefits. She doesn't work enough. Oh, God. Who she thinks she is. When 311 hires their first mermaid, I really hope it's me. Oh, maybe for a video shoot. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's me. I'm that person. <laughs> I, I will make sure that you, they get your headshot. Yeah, you know, when we do our cruise photos, I'll be sure to like hand them a little resume, even though I know you're not allowed to hand them anything and be like, right. professional mermaid. 
Just come in as a mermaid. Just have someone carry you in. (laughs) (laughs) That would be epic. You know what? Don't give me these ideas. You know I'm crazy enough to do these things. (laughs) And I like to be carried, so it's like a win-win for me. There you go. Just an excuse to be carried. (laughs) I'll have Ian dress up as like some sort of Disney prince. Like, it's going to go over really well. I have a feeling. You should have him dress up as the ocean and just carry you over his head so it looks like you're swimming. (laughs) so (laughs) So ridiculous. By far the best idea anyone's ever given me. I can see all my dreams coming true now. Like I'm an idea person. That's what I do. See? All right. My creativity coming out. So it seems like you from you know your rap career to skateboarding, I mean uh, to rollerblading to now video editing, it sounds like you've always taken a chance on yourself and you don't really like give in to fear. So can you like talk a little bit more about Ooh. that? This is, you know, I was thinking about this the other day and, and kind of, you know, begs the question, like, how, how do you motivate yourself? You know, how, what is motivation and what motivates people? With me, I guess it's just kind of always been innate. I've never really thought about it. You know, it's, I fell in love with skating and then I just did it. It's all I could think about. And I didn't think about the failure or the repercussions, you know, (laughs) Is that, is that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Is that, is that responsible <laughs> or is that irresponsibility? Like what, what motivates people? I think this begs that question. I think it's different for everybody. You know, sometimes it's a learned behavior that like you get this like confidence from your parents who are telling you like you can be anything. And like some, some people just feel it in themselves. You're like, you know, failure. You know, even though it happens, it's like not an option. Like, I'm just not going to let myself down. I'm always just going to fuel that inner passion. You know, I think it's different for everybody. I mean, this, this is something I've taken on recently and I haven't really had this thought process growing up, but I mean, failure is just learning. There's no failure. You just learn. Yeah. It's it's a learning experience. It's like a stepping stool for just like trying again and, and learning from, I don't even, I don't even like to call them mistakes, but like past experiences, you know, trying not to give into that because sometimes failure, quote unquote, will like stunt people and, and paralyze them into not going on to that next step. Because like, as soon as they get hit with that rejection or whatever the, the, you know, the issue is, it just makes them pause and then they just stay for a little while. Right. It's, it's, it's that, yeah, it's the rejection. I remember at one time having to go out and get or take job interviews, you know, after one of my stints at a corporation. And I remember saying, I don't really know how to interview that well. So I, I'm going to go apply for a bunch of jobs I don't want and go on those interviews. And I know I'm going to fail at them, but it's that what you get out of it, you know? So I basically went out there to fail a bunch of times, you know, and that could be something that people could use as a tool, you know, go into it. Like I'm going to fail at this. I know I'm going to do it, but I'm going to go for it anyway. And cause how are you going to learn otherwise, you know? Yeah. It seems like you've kind of self self taught yourself along the way, like for everything that you've done. Yeah. And you know, at the end of the day, that's like taking the chance of yourself, I guess. It's all chance, isn't it? Yeah, I agree to that. You know, I just feel like if you don't put yourself out there, how will you ever know what you're 
highest potential really will be. Yeah, I want to hear about your motivation behind the question. I mean, do you see, because you were a teacher, right? And tenured. Yeah, I was a tenured teacher. I was a speech therapist for children with disabilities for 10 years. And, um, you know. You could have done this for the rest of your life. Oh, I, I had intended to do it for the rest of my life. You know, sometimes I look back at it, like when I'm like in my feelings and feeling sorry for myself. And I'm like, I missed out on all of the next 20 years and all of this salary. But um, I'm more at a point now, like after getting injured and having to, you know, leave that job where I'm like, okay, well, that was just an, a learning experience for me to go and teach something new and mm-hmm. do something else. So I'm kind of taking all my skills that I had teaching children and I'm trying to now morph that into growing this audience on how to motivate and inspire other people so that they can realize that even though you suffer from a trauma or a failure or whatever, like a bad, ex- a negative experience, whatever the case is, that you can still move on from that and chase you know, your dream or your passion or your purpose in a different way, you know, like it doesn't mean that you necessarily have to give up. So I, I like that question, you know, what motivates you or, you know, what, why do you take chances on yourself? Because everybody has a different kind of answer and, and some people don't know how to answer that at all. You know, some people don't feel like they're really into their own feelings and they're like, yeah. no, like I can't move on and they feel stuck and, and, I think that's why I like doing what I'm doing now because I can show them there are different ways that you can kind of inspire yourself to, to move on. Yeah. Well, for me, it's when I look back at my life and it's really easy for me to take a chance on myself because of the success I've had at the things that I wanted to be good at, you know, skating, for example, I was one of the best in the world and, and, and I, vividly remember being that person that fell in love with something that wasn't good at it, that chased the dream and then followed up on it and made it a reality. So what a motivator for a person that wants to do anything in the world to know that they can go out and have had success doing something. So maybe that's important. I think for people that have maybe not been successful at something, try a bunch of different stuff, find something that you love and that you're just, innately motivated at and see how good you can get at it and then use that use that confidence in other aspects of life yeah i think that's really important i think that what stops people is that you know i had i had someone tell me once that like i've reinvented myself too many times (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like what are you talking about like well you're a teacher you're a beach body coach now you're doing this podcast and you know, you're trying to be on social media. It's like, when is enough enough? And like, when are you going to stick to one thing? And I'm like, dude, like, why can't I be a bunch of different things? (laughs) You know, like, and why can't I learn and grow about myself as time goes on? And as I grow, you know, and I think that like, I'm glad that I have this like frame of mind where I don't let people stunt my growth in that way. You know, like, yeah, yeah, I've invented myself, but like, that's cool to me, you know, like I can be anything that I put my mind to. And I truly believe that I really do. I always have. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a definitely a, an old school traditional thought process. You know, growing up, it was just like, you had to find your career and you have to go for it and you have to make up your mind by the time you're out of high school. And, and 
now it's different these days and it's solely based on the internet and the connections that we can now create with, you know, just this global network of opportunity and you don't have to anymore. You can literally fall in love with something when you're 40 and be successful at it by the time you're 45. Yeah. If it's, if it's something you love, you know, I totally agree to that. I think that it gives people hope too, you know, like, Oh, just because I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm in these career classes now as a part of like the things that I have to go through. And, and I see these, these women and these men in like their fifties or sixties. And they're like terrified of not being able to make something of themselves in their later years. And I'm like, you can literally do anything. And they're like, well, that's <laughs> great for you to say at 33, but like, I feel like I can. I'm like, no, you really can just yeah. do anything. You could be anybody. Like the internet allows you to be that way. <laughs> I know. It's really cool. There's like a hundred year old uh, woman who does yoga all over the world. Like no you're way. in your fifties, you can't do shit. And this woman's a hundred standing on her uh, head. Like, yeah. You can do it. You just have to, it's all about, you know, the way you've programmed your mind, I think. Yeah. Very interesting. Super interesting question about what motivates people, you know? And it's different for everybody. You're right. I just want people I think, to realize that like there's no end to what you can do. Right. Right. And to, to, the, to your argument, trying a bunch of different stuff is super important because I want to say, and I don't know if it's true, but I want to say that everybody out there is really good and, and loves something or the possibility of being really good at something because they love it so much. They're just going to be motivated to go out and do it. But if you don't, Go out there and try a bunch of different stuff. How are you going to know what that is? You know, try as many things as possible and something's going to grab you. I, I think I would hope that everybody would have something like that in their life where they're just so in love with it that it's all they think about it. It encompasses them and they have no other option but to just follow it and be good at it. You know, that success is super important for building confidence, I think. I agree. I mean, I just talked about this in my last interview but like there's a steve harvey like little excerpt from like when he was you know family feuding and and so like he stops to talk to the audience for a little bit and he talks about how you have to jump like you have to take that leap of faith and if you don't you're gonna kind of be stuck where you are but if you use if you start to explore that skill or you know, group of set of skills that you have, like that's going to fill your wings up so that you can fly into like this future right. of abundance. And, you know, like sometimes, you know, you fall flat on your face. I mean, it happened to me. I was teaching and like that shit just didn't work out for me, you know? And I had to come to a point where I realized like that is not my end game, you know, yeah. like there's something else that is my end game. And and so when I jumped, like, yo, I fell flat. But now it's like I'm starting to realize that, like, if I continue to try other things, the wind will take me and I can fly into this, like, new future of mine, you know? Yeah. And I think that a lot of people need to definitely understand that if you don't continually try, then you're really not going to get anywhere and you will stay stagnant. But we're all control, like, we're all in control of our own lives. Yeah. And, you know, and sometimes you don't even necessarily have to jump. Like with me, I just fell in love with it. It pulled me, you know, it pulled me off the cliff. I'm just like, okay, here we go. You know, that, that would be, you know, something I would just say, just try a bunch of different stuff and maybe something will grab you, but don't not try. So who inspires you or influences you? Well, definitely my friend, Evan. 
um, Evan Stone, the guy who is who I call my mentor, but he taught me about filmmaking and editing. He's just his uh, say yes attitude just it really resonates. And I'm sure you and listeners out there work with people that are no people versus yes people, you know? When you ask them to do stuff or you see a supervisor or something, ask them and they just start looking for reasons to say no and why it won't work. Evan was the opposite of that. He was, you know, you could just throw him a crazy wild idea and you can see him before he even answers. He's like in his mind, he's trying to figure out a way to make it work. You know, you <laughs> in the music industry or sorry, in the film industry, we they do this like can, Thing where they have a meeting and then the guy will go is it possible to do and he'll just throw some crazy scenario out there and the first initial knee-jerk reaction is no you can't do that evan was the kind of person that starts finding ways to do it and make it work and he would just say yes and super influential in my life and i've learned a lot from it and i've i've tried to apply as much of it as i can into my career working in a corporate atmosphere and working with other people and it really does resonate you know it carries and people notice whenever you're a yes person versus a no person so evan brian bone smith is another person who's really super influential as far as career wise brian bone smith was a skater and a good friend of mine didn't know how to take photography didn't know anything about a camera but he we, he shot some some stuff with you know video and he just comes to me one day he goes i'm gonna be a photographer and i go okay cool good luck you know what do you all right have fun buddy and then cut to now it, he has every a-list celebrity you could possibly think of filming and um and i asked that question because the photography game is no joke you know it's it's hard to become a professional photographer it's not easy especially on, when you look at the amount of success and on that level of portrait photography of a-list celebrities i mean he's at the top of his game how did he get there you know what what brought him to that and and um personality is one of the big ones he's just got that personality you know that party personality when he shows up at the party he's the life of the party he's making the jokes he's making everyone laugh and it's it's something that's just very unique for for a person to do and it's not everybody has that and he's he's been able to carry that that personality and use it in his work life and i mean some of the photos he has is i freaking i don't know i can't i know i'm making this up but you know some celebrity that we all know is like riding him like a horse you know and like doing the lasso and <laughs> that's what his freaking photo sets are like he's cracking jokes and making people laugh and and it breaks walls down and breaks barriers and it becomes um they come to the point where they start requesting him, you know, I know he told me this story, um, Jennifer Aniston and, uh, Adam Sandler did a movie together. I can't remember what it was. You know what it was? Is it just go with it? I don't Some, know. Something like years ago. Yeah. So, I, know what I know which movie you're talking about. Yeah. So Jennifer loved Brian, but Adam had his own photographer. So they got into it and like went in the back and forth because Adam wanted to use his photographer and Jennifer wanted to use Brian and then Jennifer won and, and then Brian's got all this pressure to represent when he shows up. And the next thing you know, he's got Adam Sandler like rolling on the floor laughing and it's just like all good now. And it's like, who, who can do that? You know? So he's, he's definitely somebody that has been a really good influence on my life. 311, their work ethic is great. Nick Hexum is just, he's a musician that does it like a, a nine to five. He like gets up in the morning, gets his coffee, like, okay, time to go to work. 
you know, goes in, writes music. It's like five o'clock, six o'clock. Okay, here we go. And it's such a weird thing for a musician because you think like bottles of alcohol and start, you know, wake up at three o'clock in the afternoon and then go write music. But yeah, he's, he's just so structured and, and, and definitely self-motivated. I should ask him what motivates him. Yeah. Well, I, I would, I wouldn't mind asking him these questions myself. <laughs> you put in I'll a pass that along. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a short list right there. I've already asked like what motivates you, but what's your, your why for pushing yourself? You know, what drives you? I've thought about this and it's, it's so, it's so innate, you know, it's weird. It's hard to explain. I don't know. Do you know anybody that wakes up in the morning and like looks at themselves in the mirror and goes, all right, you got to go out there and get motivated today. And it's, it's in there somewhere. You got to find it, like slap yourself a couple times. Something go. Me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. like, this is motivation. Where is the motivation? <laughs> <laughs> I just beat myself into motivation as opposing to submission. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's innate. I get a bug and I just, I just go, I just go with it. Like right now, this year, you're going to laugh at this. I've started playing. I, I started working at a company who is, a, is an advertising agency. And in production, that's odd because, you know, they're, they're into marketing. But um, they, they do video games. They have some big video game clients. I can't name who they are. But uh, I started playing VR lately, VR video games. And there's this one <laughs> video game called Echo Arena. And I love it. And I'm just like, here we go again. Oh no, sorry, baby. Like Chandra freaking hates it. She's like, you just come home and play video games all day. And I was like, what am I freaking 18? You know, and I feel it. I feel like I'm 18 again and I come home and play video games. I don't always do it. We still spend time together, but this, uh, it's, it's, it's a young sport, you know, just like rollerblading and it's, it's basically, it's hard to explain, but you have an arena, it's zero gravity and there's a goal on each end. And then, I just, I'll end up just randomly matching with other people that are actually other older guys that are in their fifties. <laughs> That's a lie, but you get the picture <laughs> playing the same way I am in their living rooms, you know, punching walls and stuff. And we throw this disc back and forth and try to score points. It's ridiculous. I'll send you a link, but it's called echo arena. It's fun. I love it. And ah, I just want to play it all the time and I'm really good at it. I'm one of the best for sure. <laughs> That's a goal. <laughs> I want to go to work all day so I can come home and play Echo Arena. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, you guys, you got to look this up. It's 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 nuts. VR is great. It's uh, I. You're just I'm, wearing this like headset, right? And then you're kind of like looking like an octopus in your own living room. Yeah, room? yeah, yeah. It's um, you know, there's there's a lot of money behind it, and it's definitely a possible career path for me is to kind of like move out of production and move into VR or production and VR somewhat together. What would you say are some of like, do you have daily habits or routines that help you to succeed or help you to do well in your career? No, I don't. <laughs> do you? Yeah, I could say yes to that one. Let's yeah. hear some. Come on. <laughs> well, I help me out here. I meditate. I just have like, I always thought that I was meditating, but really I was just like sitting there stewing and now I've learned the difference. So I meditate. <laughs> <laughs> like I was like, yeah, I've meditated for years. 
But no, I was just like perseverating over the same. Oh, like sitting still and just staring off into space or yeah. closing your eyes. <laughs> so I do, I enjoy meditating. What's the difference? <laughs> just so meditating, I know. Meditating, I guess now is more like of just trying to clear your mind and acknowledging the thoughts that are coming into it. It's like, all right, yeah, I know I have to go clean the sofa downstairs, but like, I'm going to forget about that right now. As a future, <laughs> I would be like, I really have to go clean the house. It's such a mess. Like, the fucking house is like horrible. And like, there, there's a difference oh, there, you know? God. Like, it's like a mental inventory of the things that are coming up for you. And oh, then man. just like, that can all change if I just change like my perspective about Interesting. it. Interesting. You know? Yeah. So I think meditation really helps me. I do like journaling. I like to write a lot. Yeah. It helps me get creative and helps me get centered. You know, I like to just take time for myself. I didn't usually, like, I wasn't someone who took a lot of time for themselves. I thought it was, like, super yeah. selfish. But now I don't mind, you know, getting a massage or going to the spa or going out with friends just to, like, kiki and just, you know, like, I'm just more self-aware. And I think, like, some of those habits have really helped me to not only get centered, but focus on what's really important, you know? Yeah. That's a good idea. I might have to come up with something like a morning routine. But how would you uh, how would you define success? I mean, the initial answer is just if someone who makes a lot of money makes more money than they can spend. Is that your? Which is sad. Like, and I think about that, and I'm like, that's kind of like my definition. But yeah, it should be more than that. You know, it should include happiness. But I separate the two. Because in my, in my mind, I can name people that are successful, but just not happy. You know what I mean? Does that yeah. make sense? It makes total sense. You know, a lot of people have totally different answers from going, because I was making, you know, like I was priding myself like, oh, I make six figures and all this stuff like in my old job. And, and now my definition of success has like totally morphed into me just like, eh, I guess it doesn't really matter if I only make $50,000 a year as long as I'm happy, you know, yeah. and comfortable. Yeah. Of course, I want to make my bills and be able to travel yeah. and do the things that I want, but it's definitely morphed into more of like wanting to be happy and, and less about like overextending myself just so that I could have money. Yeah, and I think it's probably something that, I was just brought up to believe and that just so just solely based on the amount of money you make at a job. Is it enough to pay your bills and do other stuff and, and get rich? That's it. That's how, that's how I define success. Cause I just know people that are successful and not happy. So it's like, I have to separate the two, you know? Yeah. But when I, when I think about money equaling success, I always, <laughs> This is going to sound so ridiculous, but like, remember DuckTales back in the day? Oh, hell yeah. That song is so had the big bank with all the gold coins. Uh-huh. They would swim in it. Like, that's, that's like monetary success. <laughs> that's definitely success. <laughs> oh, yeah. And would hurt like hell, too. But it's successful to be able to swim in gold without getting hurt. Yeah. When, when, duck, my, though. when my grandpa passed away, um, I became the executrix of his will. And in that responsibility, I had to sell his house and do a bunch of stuff. And, and he left me a good, amount of, a good amount of money. I was shocked, you know, and, and I was like, maybe I should cash this all out in singles and like spread a whole room with it just so I could try to pretend to win. 
<laughs> yes. The answer is yes. You should do that for sure. Yeah. No, Ian did not let me. He's like, let's pay off all our debt. And so that's what we did with it. It wasn't very, it was not very glamorous. Wow. Isn't that the worst? Yeah. Like the windfall that just disappears and you're just going, why? Yeah. Is this what life is about? I called my dad. I'm like, why didn't you warn me that being <laughs> like this close? <laughs> like yeah. I wanted to like own, like I would have owned an island. I mean, a really tiny tree on the island, but still, yeah. like I could have yeah. owned something, you know? Damn. Yeah. No, that's funny. That's funny how things work out. You know, as you get older, you change. Like you know, I guess what your responsibilities are, they all morph. You know? Yeah. That's true. But what do you see yourself doing in the future? Definitely, I think, I mean, tough question because, you know, I'm not Miss Cleo. Oh, me now. You know, I'm, I'm really, I really, I have, a, I have some faith in the VR future. So I can definitely see myself doing that. But, you know, within a production world, like I was talking about, they call it MR, mixed to reality. Wouldn't it be cool if you did like some sort of like skating thing with VR and like brought that back? A video game? Yeah. Skating? Mm, interesting. My buddy, um, my buddy Austin is a huge fan of yours, and really, he still goes out. Hey, um, Austin, what's up? Yeah, he still goes out. He skates. He has his own podcast. I actually tagged you in one of his posts, saying like, "Oh, oh yeah, who do you want to see on this?" And like, I knew he would like love if I tagged you in that. So he's, you know, he interviews a bunch of bladers and oh, cool. But he, he he's still really into it. And his podcast does really well too. So it could I think be- it's in my queue to listen to. I haven't yet, but I will. Yeah, he's great. He's um he was the guy behind the camera at our wedding. Um our wedding video was amazing. He's super talented. Oh, and, cool. Yeah. So that's his little like side project or maybe his big side project at this point, because it's mm-hmm. it is doing well. So I'm really happy for him. So but I think you could mix like skating and VR and, and maybe create something, you know? Interesting. I didn't really think about it, but yeah. Huh. I want royalties. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> oh my God. My last question is my favorite question. And I always say that I steal it from Oprah because I love Oprah. And um, so it's what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, wow. Threw me a curveball here. Um, I mean, I've thought about this before, but I don't know. Let me think about it for a sec. What advice would you give your younger self? So I'm just trying to put myself, how young are we talking? 20, 21? Whatever age you feel comfortable. Don't drink that last margarita the night you turn 21 would be one piece of advice. Whew. I was good up until that point. Um, maybe something I'm sure you tell me, tell me yours. What would you tell yourself? Um, don't be so like wrapped up with fear that things aren't going to work out because I think that's like something that I think about a lot is like, don't, don't try to be in so much control. Like just let things happen. Yeah. I was such a planner and I was like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to study. This is what I'm going to be forever. And I didn't really give myself like a plan B or a plan C or just like let the universe kind of do its thing. And, and I think that that really kind of messed me up when I did end up having, you know, when I, when I got injured and I left my job, I was like, oh my God, like what now? Like my whole life is falling apart. And, and now I would just be like, 
yo, that happened for like, everything happens for a reason. Like you can't control events, you know, you can only control your reaction to events and, and just to be more flexible. So I think that would be my advice to myself. Like, don't try to have such a handle on things. Yeah. Well, you know, there's the obvious ones like when YouTube first came out, make sure you, you start your YouTube channel because <laughs> it wasn't just a fluke when it first came out. I mean, can you imagine if you could go back when in 2005? Invest and go, in Google. And, and invest in Google or start, at least, at least do your YouTube channel. Yes. Start doing your YouTube thing, you know, because wow, look at that now. You got like, who's PewDiePie? The dude that was just like playing video games on YouTube. Absolutely. That made like $40 million one year. Or like that girl Miranda Sings who like overpaints her lips. She ended up getting like a Netflix show out of her silly YouTube. <laughs> it's like, insane. Like, that is so crazy. How does that happen? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I would probably just tell myself to jump on the music more and not, and not quit music, not quit writing music basically, which is something that I can make sure that I don't, my future self doesn't have to tell myself self. Yeah. You, should. you should continue writing. I think like one of, one of my favorite talks by Tony Robbins, like he, he's giving his best advice to people and then he's challenging people, like, I guess just in his booth when he's, you know, doing this audio and he's like, well, what would you, what would you be doing if you knew that there was like nothing that you could lose? And someone said like, I would right. write music. Yeah. And so his advice to them was like, write for the wastebasket, you know, like just write as if like, it's going to go in the garbage and most of it will go in the garbage. Right. There are going to be some of those like jewels. You're like, I'm going to keep this. And it just comes to you out of nowhere. You know, yeah. you know what, you know, I was just thinking that the, the question is so hard because of how you answered it. You might've answered like you, you want to tell your old self, to be more open and not be so scared. And is that a regret that you have? And do people look at that question and do they go, did I do something I regret? You know, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Is it, is it regret based? Do you look back and go, oh, I regret not doing this? And cause it's, it's hard. You know, one thing that 311 teaches is don't live in regret. And yeah. And trust your instinct. I don't, I don't really look back and regret anything that I've done. I mean, I mean, just little stupid things like the margarita at the end of the night that I should have probably not drank, but um, yeah, you can't live in regret. Yeah. That's a hard, that's a, that's definitely a tough question for sure. I love the question that you asked back. I guess I don't regret my, like, I don't regret not, you know, not letting go of the control. But one thing I guess I do regret is not being my authentic self back in the day. Like, I feel like I was just trying to be someone that people wanted me to be like my parents wanted me to be successful, you know, like take a successful career. And in college, like I was super into pottery and painting and photography and not that my parents didn't always encourage that side of me because they did. They were like, Oh, well you can do that on the side, (laughs) (laughs) but you're going to like, have you, haven't you ever heard of starving artists, you know? (laughs) And I kind of wish that I was a starving artist, you know, like, yeah. Because at least I would have been feeding that part of my spirit. And not that I regret teaching. I definitely don't regret teaching. I, I have a lot of great skills from that. But I definitely, I regret not being my authentic self during those years, you know? Like, I, didn't, I wasn't chasing, I was chasing what was safe instead of, like, what I was truly passionate about. Right. Man, starving artist. I mean, the, the odds are against you, for sure, you know? 
Yeah, like not everyone gets to be a Brian Bowen Smith, but had I, <laughs> had I, you know, maybe then, you know, you never know. Yeah. I could have been there. I could have been a contender. That's life though, right? We learn yeah. along the way. That's how I Man. see it. My younger self. Uh, yeah, music. Yeah. Stay, stay writing music. That's what I would be. That's what I would tell myself. Don't stop. Don't stop. Get it, get it. There comes your rapper out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, boy. <laughs> you wearing my Flavor Flav costume? <laughs> Is that what you're going to wear on the cruise? We're going on a 311 cruise with other bands and comedians. And it's, it's going to Mexico. Yeah. Belize and Costa Maya. I'm excited. And my buddy, um, his band is actually going to be on the boat too, The Norm. No way. Yeah, Brian Rucker. I met him years ago. <laughs> I met him years ago when I went snowboarding out in Vail with Jessica. And, oh, no way. Uh, yeah, and we've just stayed. And then I think I flew down into Florida. I like, went to his house one day just like to chill. Oh, that's cool. And so then he was like filming. I think he worked for TLC like when Honey Boo Boo was on. And then no he started, way. Yeah, like he was a part of the production and film crew wow. for, for that show. And he was also very much into music. And now... I think he's had several bands, but now the norm is going to be on the cruise ship. So that's really cool. I'm excited for him. I, uh, check this out. So Nick and I, um, are in a basketball league, right? Yes. He's the captain of it. Somebody a couple of years ago tweeted cause he was tweeting about it and he goes, Hey, I'm a 311 fan. I live close by. If you need a player, let me know. And it ended up being like the sixth three musician. So, we, his name's Tommy. We pulled Tommy on the team a couple of seasons ago and he's been with us and um, he's in a, uh, a yacht rock band. Have right. you heard this genre? Yeah. Yacht rock? No. It's <laughs> like people that sing songs from the eighties, like sailing, take me away. Uh, 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 uh. Right. You know, just that whole genre, you know, air supply, Chicago. Um, so he was in that band and Nick was like, you guys are coming on the cruise. So now he booked them and they're on the cruise with us and they're called Yachtly Crew. <laughs> uh, that is perfect. <laughs> I cannot wait to hear this. I'm like the most excited person. And it's so funny is that like, obviously everyone's like going there to like rock out and jam out and Ian and I are like going to go best of both worlds. Like we bought our spa passes already. Oh, I'm going to do a spa day. <laughs> yeah. We're doing spa. We bought all of our restaurant packages already. Like we're, oh, wow. we're just like enjoying. Chilling. We did not buy any excursions yet, and I heard that we're sold out of like a good number of them. But we'll find something to do. You know. Yeah. I'm excited to see everyone. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a great yeah. time. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. Thank you. And um, it's been such a like so much fun talking to you. <laughs> I really appreciate it. You know, sure it's thing cool for me. It's cool. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. So thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you everybody for listening. Yep. Don't forget to subscribe for future episodes. And if you know someone that has a story that should be shared with me, email me at chrissyclemente at gmail.com. And of course, follow me on Instagram at mrs.motivation. And where can we actually find you? My Twitter needs some love. Just uh, be love on Twitter. I own that real estate. Perfect. All right, guys, make sure to follow him. And uh, thanks for listening.
Peace out, guys. Bye, everyone. the scandal of a small town scene I always handle you like to think my spirit is me